A badass for me is somebody who's open and vulnerable and willing to be seen and show up and wear their heart on their face. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Karine Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of your Badass Journey podcast. I'm super excited to share today's guest with you. But before we jump into that, I just want to thank you again for listening and subscribing to the show. And if you're new to listening, just make sure you go and hit that subscribe button because the conversations to come are so worth listening to as I walk alongside you on your badass journey. This show is made for you to get as much as you can out of not only my guests and their amazing backgrounds, tools, tips, and methods, but also for us to connect in a way where you don't feel so alone in your journey. So I want to thank you for listening and joining me today. And don't hesitate to send us your questions. Today's guest is Kelsey Abbott. She loves to hear from you too. If you want to connect with her, she's at Kelsey, that's K-E-L-S-E-Y-A-B-B-O-T-T-C-P-C. Again, that's at Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y, Abbott, A-B-B-O-T-T-C-P-C on Instagram. You can also um, go to KelseyAbbott.com and connect with her there and listen to her podcast, which is another amazing show to help you consistently stand in that confidence stance I know you have and love to stand in. So Kelsey is a confidence coach and instigator of joy. She's a writer, speaker, and host of the show Find Your Awesome Podcast. She helps spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. She helps them learn to really truly love themselves, which if you listen to my last episode, we talked about woundology and how to stand in the truth of how to love yourself first and master yourself first. So of course, having her on a guest on the show to help you shed the shoulds and embrace your unique greatness and sparkle, that's what Kelsey is all about. She's going to share with you her career choices and how it kind of came to where she is today as becoming a professional excellence in coaching, going through IPEC, where she became a certified professional coach. She's an energy leadership master and core performance coach. She also studied at the Applied Neuroscience Institute and earning her neuropositive certificate in neuroscience to change how the brain processes challenges. Oh, I'm so excited to jump into this episode with you guys. So without further ado, here we go. We're going to jump into the conversation with Kelsey and make sure you connect with us and ask any questions you have based on today's conversation. And just let us know what your takeaways are. Again, you can tag her in your shot of the podcast at Kelsey Abbott CPC. 
And you can also tag me at, at Karine Z Walsh. And you know, we'll respond and connect with you. I just... Let's jump into today's episode. I can't wait to see you on the other side. Welcome everybody to your Badass Journey podcast. Today's guest is Kelsey Abbott. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to play with you. Oh, me too. I, I loved having the conversation that we did for your podcast, The Find Your Awesome Show. And it is so cool to now have you on my show for you to share your badass journey with my listeners. And what I would love, and this is the way I kick things off, is for you in your own words to share your badass journey to date from however far you want to go back that got you to where you are today and what you love to focus on in your life and business as it stands right now. Mm. Okay. This is such a good question. I'm like, where do I start? Let's start... I don't know, like sometime around college. No, let's start in college. When everyone else... I went to a small liberal arts school in New England and I was an athlete. And all the athletes as far as I know, would get recruit letters from all these big consulting firms and financial management firms, investment banking. And all I knew for sure was I didn't want to do that. I also knew I did not want to ever wear a suit. And (laughs) these are important things to me. And well, I was majoring in psychology and art history and minored in bio. I was essentially a neuroscience major who was, in my opinion, smart enough to avoid organic chemistry. So I was trying to figure out what to do. So I'm carving my own path and looking around me and being like, not for me, not for me, not for me, but not knowing what was for me. And that carving my own path actually goes way back, way, way back to like my earliest memories. And it's so many times throughout my life just been like, okay, I'm carving my own path. And it would be so much easier if I were doing it the same way everyone else is doing it. And I try for sometimes up to mm, probably not even 24 hours and just be like, no, I can't handle this. I just got it. I'd rather be struggling on my own. So I just think that college is a good point where I really realized like, I'm not like other people. It's just another glaring reminder and maybe the maybe one of the points in my life when I was really like, no, I'm not like other people. Like excited instead of like, oh, I'm not like other people. Um, so I ended up what I what I really wanted to study was animal behavior. And so I went on, studied that, went and got my master's in marine biology, curving my own path there as well, because that's just how I roll. Uh, I worked as a marine biologist for a few years. And then and I worked for the federal government and started as a contractor. And then I was offered big, big, big promotion. And I said, thank you so much. And I quit because that was not... Working in a cubicle was not for me. The values of the people around me were not mine. I loved when I got to talk to scientists and the rest of the time was complete torture. And I didn't actually understand how people could handle doing it. So that's when I moved to Maine, quit my job, moved to Maine, and I became a science writer, which is more interesting than it sounds. What I would do is I took scientific papers and I made them interesting and accessible and funny. 
So I had a blog. I was a freelance writer for a few publications. That was tons of fun. And then there came a time, well, on the side, so my whole life on the side, I've been coaching swimming. And so at the time I was coaching swimming and I asked a question about why the 12-year-old girls weren't doing flip turns. And the coach told me and the head coach told me, it's because their abs aren't strong enough. I didn't believe that answer for a second. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, imagine Whoa. your response. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, uh-uh. uh-huh. But I'll teach a core class. And so boom, all of a sudden I was teaching a core class. And then I was teaching the adult core class. And then I was teaching spinning. And then I was personal training. And this all just kind of happened. And when all the funding got cut, I got all these offers to do these in, in the science writing world, these huge opportunities, like big superstar gigs. And each one of them, three in a row, funding got cut. Mm. And that's when I learned about life coaching. I had never heard of it. So former psych major who decided that psych, like I didn't want to be a therapist because it seemed like all you were doing was telling people what was wrong with them. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I discovered life coaching and I was like, what? This is a thing? You can do this? And within a month, I was in my first weekend of intensive of coaching school and knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I love when the no's of one occupation, like they show up in a row to to really guide you towards what you're meant to go after. It's like this amazing energy, energetic thing that occurs. And so that's a really cool part of the story was like, you were still willing to do the science writing work while you had this parallel life of, of the fitness and the health space. And the, and then you were coaching along the way in that arena to make people stronger, better in what they were doing to then land on on IPEC and getting your life coaching cert and just going after what is truly aligned by serendipity, you know, is, is so awesome. I know that you call yourself a confidence coach. So I'm curious about that journey that like had you identify yourself in that way and what you saw, maybe the gap through even getting um, into the coach's stance that you felt that leaning into confidence was something that you wanted to be known for. So I got to confess, confidence stuck. Other people started calling that, calling me a confidence coach after I used it a few times and then it stuck. So I was like, okay, yeah, so I'm a confidence coach. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But what I really do is I help people remember who they are and why they're here. Mm. So I call that confidence People have a lot of different interpretations of confidence. Yeah. I say it's being your true self. Yeah. I call it confidence uh, is faith in action is mm. what I is how I define that word, only because you have to be confident to step forward. Yeah. In, into the abyss of the unknown sometimes, or even into stuff you know already and you just want to fine tune it. But there's this like it's an actionable step. Confidence I love that word because it requires action. In order to display it, um, I call that trusting like a mofo. Yeah, <laughs> in in yourself and whatever the results would be, right? Exactly. That's amazing, and I, and I also love it that you you stuck with that word after actual results from the clients you worked with. It wasn't, you know, it's so hard as as someone in a place of service like you and I both are, as we serve our clients and as we you know serve in the industry we're in and 
to even label ourselves, you know, and it, it's it's an, the most annoying part actually of the whole practice is to try to figure out how you brand yourself to attract the right people in. And yes. I I love that you used a method that is based on the results you actually have with your clients and almost allowed them to label you so that then the attracts the, the the right clients back into you. But it's yeah, there are so many funny parts about the labeling, especially as a coach coming from an athletic background and I am an athlete. Yeah. So if I just say I'm a coach, people think I'm a sports coach. Right. And I did, I was a triathlon coach until like three years ago. So I would, then I would be like, well, I coach triathlon, but what I really do is, and I tried on the term life coach too. And I got a lot of eye rolls with that. Yeah. So yeah. I dropped that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost too broad and also had yeah, it's just like, oh, I don't want someone to to guide me in my life. Like if for those who aren't ready for it in general, you know, coaching is becoming like such a trend word now, but it's been around for so long. And that it's really just about finding that person who's gonna hold you accountable to achieve what it is you want. Like that's what a coach's stance is. And also potentially show you the way. You know, yeah. like that's the added step if that coach is willing to do it. And if you don't align, you know, your life and how you're spending your time and doing it, there's so many ways you can label the the assistance through it all. And it's just it's just really interesting though how people respond to certain words. I mean, it's why marketing and branding is such a multi billion dollar industry. <laughs> I want a better word for coaching, but I haven't found it yet. Yeah. I used to use the word conduit. Like I'm a conduit of change. I'm a change Mm -hmm. agent. I used to, you know, I played with everything. And now I landed on strategist for what I do. I'm a coach and a strategist because truly what I found was helping people get the clarity of what it is they truly wanted, which is like coach's stance to get to the clarity. And then the how part was the next question. So then it was about the strategy on how you actually do it. And so I call myself a growth strategist in a lot of arenas because it has the energy of like, we're helping you define what's next. That's the growth part. And then the strategy of how to get it done. But I don't think there are... I don't think someone like you with the experience that you have... Um, even in in everything we do as a coach, right? Like we're still living and building a business and a life and have relationships and have like more of a holistic view of our own way of standing in the world, which is why we have so much relatability with our clients, right? Yeah. So, so we can't really just call ourselves coaches because that's not all we are. You know, we're entrepreneurs, we're badass business owners, we have like you know, amazing relationships, we're adventurous, we're explorers. So just in general, to just feel as though it fits under one title is bullshit to begin with. I totally agree with that. (laughs) So I feel your pain is my point. And also I feel it's quite limiting to when you try to figure out a way where you're just one thing. So I tend to find, and I'm curious if you do this as well, where it depends on the arena I'm having the conversation in that then I will so-called label myself to make it more relatable to that audience or to that person I'm having a connection with. Do you do that as well? Oh yeah, totally. And I sometimes I include instigator of joy. Yeah. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. Like if I'm in this total coachy setting, I'll add instigator of joy to be like, I'm different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And those people would get it like Mm -hmm. as your differentiator. But yeah, in other circumstances, it's like, does it really matter? 
It's really about the impact you want to have with that individual that you're interacting with. Right. Exactly. And that and that goes in any occupation. It's just I feel like there's so much um there's it's just so rigid and in order for people to find acceptance or certainty. And that's why we fall into the trap of labeling and titles and and explaining what it is. But I would love to know some moments where your joy was ignited, you know, and, and an example of that in the work that you do or in the the life that you lead that you ensure for yourself, you're actually standing in who you are and aligned with who you are with all that you do. Mm. I believe that joy is our natural state. So there are little things like watching my dog walk when he's excited to go somewhere, his ears stick out and they bounce and I call them joy ears. Yeah, And I just can't not smile. Yeah, <laughs> it's so that. cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, the big things... Well, I don't know why I'm labeling them as little or big. Yeah. So let's just scratch Moments. scratch those labels. Moments. Yeah. But connecting with a soul client, oh my goodness gracious, the magic as as a connection for me means energy flowing back and forth, basically from heart to heart. Yeah. And to feel that and feel it just flow, and then have that little tiny part of my brain that's watching and is like, oh my God, look at what's happening. This is amazing. And yet still be totally in the flow. That making magic, yeah. that's, that's instigating joy. That's igniting the fire. It's doing what sets my soul on fire. Would you, find, would you describe those then also like when you define flow... Like for you, in in to because you and I discussed this even on your podcast. There's the I call it like the alignment of knowing the energy you want to have in the space that you're in and being connected to that, right? In all that you do, and I'm curious as you define flow because I know you work on you do flow workshops and you you know you have facilitate a lot of flow discussion for our listeners. What are the what are the methods or ways that they can kind of tap into that or feel as if uh, the benefits of staying in flow. Mm. So flow happens when we're present and when we're in a situation that challenges us, but not too much. It has to have that perfect amount of challenge. So we're not bored and we're not like on the verge of giving up thinking this is impossible. Mm. So here's my magic trick to get into flow. I count. I use this... I, a lot of the things I do in all aspects of my life come from training and racing as an endurance athlete. And I find that everything I learn in that arena works wonderfully in every other part of my life. So during a hard workout, especially a run, I count. Mm. I count. I don't count steps. I don't count breaths. I just count. I count typically to eight. I have no idea why I stopped there. I am not musical in any way. So it is not <laughs> like, it's not rhythmic. It is not to any particular beat. And when I'm counting, I can't be anywhere but there. I can't be anywhere but fully in my body and counting. And, you know, I've been counting for a lot of years now. I know how to do it. My brain doesn't have to work very hard to do it. So it's sure. something that can go on in the background. But while I'm counting, I keep, my brain can't be going off, running away. Yeah, disengaged. Different. Yeah. yeah, so it yeah. makes it totally engaged. I am right there. So I, I, the other piece is being in our bodies. So that's obvious with training and racing. But it, it's also 
it works for me with clients Mm -hmm. and with speaking and with anything that's like just being present with friends, being in my body means I'm, I'm right here. I know where I am. My energy is grounded, like all the way down to my feet, feeling my toes, feeling the space between my toes. That's what creates flow for me. And then when you're doing the counting exercise or the when you count, is it you just go one up to eight or you count down from eight? And then when you stop, you just repeat it? I'm curious, just so what yeah. it's in practice, like what is actually happening? Yeah, I usually count like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then just start over again. And, and it, sometimes I'm sure I miss numbers, mm. but it doesn't matter. I just keep going. Yeah. And I just start over. I don't count backwards. Hmm. I don't know why. Maybe that would cause like that may be more brain power. Yeah. 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 So you just count to eight and then you repeat it until you're done with whatever you're focused on or. Yeah. And sometimes I get stuck on one thing. (laughs) Like I remember when I was training in Maine once I found myself repeating the number eight and I was like, what, what does this mean? Like this is totally unrelated to... I was actually trying to count intervals and I was like, I know I'm not on number eight. Like, where am I? And I realized when I got back, I was like, oh, there's an eight on the mailbox for that, like that I just passed. And so I just grabbed that and brought it with me. And just kept saying eight, 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 yeah. eight, eight. <laughs> mm, that's interesting. I mean, it's a really interesting neurological trigger uh, in order to for you to stay present and focused. Mm-hmm. And there, there isn't like it's not like you're changing your breathing. It's not like you're counting to eight breaths. It's just counting, yeah, to eight and then repeat. And I have asked well after I started doing this because I don't remember when I started. I've been doing it for so long. I have read that there are like psychological studies that recommend doing this. Yeah, I believe it. I can see the the. It's almost like for me, I used to. In our, especially if I were in like lectures and I had to focus on the information that was coming to me, I always had to have like a pen and paper and I would doodle like in order for, for an artistic creative flow to come out of me in order to absorb the information that I was listening to. And again, there's science behind that too, where you have like pen to paper and the way information, obviously I would be taking notes at times too, but then I would need to do something artistic, especially if it was a topic that I could give a shit about, but I had to retain the information. (laughs) I needed needed to be creative in order for me to retain it. (laughs) I also had another trick. I don't know if this is ever going to be useful for anyone beyond this one class, but I had this archaeology professor who used to say, to be sure. Mm. And so I would count yeah. the number of times that he would say, to be sure, in one yeah. class. And yeah. all the sentences with, to be sure. Yeah. That's interesting that it was always just like numbers for you. That's but I, there was doodling too. There's yeah. a lot of doodling. Yeah, like so my college system. notebooks are all, yeah. all doodles. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. I, I am, and I think our listeners will benefit from hearing that there's ways that to to trigger the mind in order to stay focused in what you're doing. But uh, but the most important part I, I I got from from the story you just shared is that it's about being present and it's finding the ways to stay present and connected to what you're doing so that you can find the value of actually committing your time to it or the effort to it and staying in flow. And I love that you gave the boundaries of, of 
um, not having to go to a point where it's burnout, but it should stress stretch you a bit in order to stay in flow. You know, like yeah. to to feel like it's kind of in the flow of, let's say, something physical like a yoga position and the amount of time you hold it and the breath into it, but then you're feeling that strain. You want to make sure you change positions before you actually like tear something, <laughs> you know, or blow out. Which yeah, is... but if you're just feeling the shake, yeah, then it's like, oh, welcome. Yeah, yeah, like, breathe you're right into where it. you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Well, if you were to describe moments of obviously you've done all these major shifts through it, but in a very it sounds like aligned way, you know, like as you moved into the what's next, what are you currently focused on now or trying to manifest in your life or even even create an energy around? Hmm. I love this question. I'm currently in the in between. Hmm. That's what I'm calling it. So in so many ways. Physically, I'm healing. I have nerve pain in my heel. And this started two months ago. And I've been to PT, to chiropractors, all the things. And it eventually led me to this fascia doctor, mm-hmm. who's local, who created this method that's his own to help us heal our fascia. So what has come out of this heel pain is so, so much for right now. It's, I was in a car accident in 2004, 15 years ago. And as a result of that car accident, I'm like my body is compensated in some brilliant ways that are also kind of troublesome. Mm-hmm. And it's turned me into what some could call a fragile athlete. You know, like I, I got to be careful that I don't get injured. Mm. So I just realized through this heel pain that it's connected to that car accident, that my body protected me in that accident. Instead of thinking like for years, I've been like, oh, body, (laughs) why can't I just be like, why can't you just be healed? Why can't you be quote unquote normal? And I've since realized that my body protected me. From the first time I met with the fascia doctor, I learned that I had a concussion, whether that was during the car accident or bike crash or playing water polo for years. I don't know and it doesn't really matter or maybe all of those times. But again, I'm like, oh my God, body, you're such a badass. Yeah. So much. So that... So I'm in the in-between is now I'm working with this guy. The stuff he's doing is really weird. Last time I saw him... Well, I saw him today, but earlier this week, I got a 30-minute ear massage. So we have six vestigial muscles in our ears and they can get tight. We can't use them for anything, but they get tight. And it was like linked to my calf. Mm -hmm. So I'm in between where I'm taking all this stuff in and I'm in the healing process. And then sometimes I get these feelings like, so in terms of business and what's next, something is brewing. It's big. Yeah. Right now I can see colors and shapes and no words. I like I get occasional words and then I try to share them with somebody and I'm like, oh, apparently this isn't yet for public consumption because I can't come up with a complete sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I am right now. I'm in this in-between and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Because I've been in in between spaces before and I know that magic always comes out. 
Yeah, and it's beautiful that you recognize the seasons of the in-between, right? Like Because we all feel like you have to have the hustle on all the time and produce and share what's next. And like it's always got to be on. And I love that you're recognizing because people need to hear it, that there's there has to be a time and space for you to heal, to create, to recharge, to design that is its own season. Mm-hmm. And it's super important to put a pause on the hustle sometimes or or because a lot of people, and I, I'm curious if you find this with the clients you work with too, where they start to have like self-worth issues when they're not in that, especially entrepreneurs like that, because that's why I work with, but when they're not in that consistent, like head drawn, you know, go after it energy and they don't take enough time to pause and design and they lead themselves to burnout, right? Like it's 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 not really a widespread known that what you're doing and how you're focusing on this in-between time adds value to what is going to happen next. Yeah. My clients, I don't see that so much in the entrepreneurs that I work with, which is interesting. I do see that when I work with athletes, mm-hmm. like an injured athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whole yeah. bunch of identity. like, and And that's... I heard somebody on a podcast ask this question recently. They were talking about changing their identity from one career to a next. And what the no one said, but I was shouting from my car, yeah. is it's about wrapping your identity up in who you are, not in what you do. Right. Know right. who you are, and then you can do anything you want. Like it doesn't matter what your career is or what your sport is or or how much money you're making. You are a person who shows up and is sparkly and is grounded and expansive and whatever it is that's you. And that those pieces, yeah, they'll evolve, but they're still the core of who you are. And you're going to take your whole self with you wherever you go. Yeah, I love that. Because uh, the identity crisis is constant when people want to actually manifest the change that they truly desire. Mm-hmm. Like constant. And it's because we have been taught for so many years that we must identify with an object outside of ourselves in order to explain who we are. Yeah. Right. A dinner party. What do you do? Yeah. It's like, who gives a a shit? No. It's it's more about like, how do you make people feel? Or like, you know, what lights you up inside? Like, those are questions that matter. What excites you? Yeah. And some that makes some people very uncomfortable, but I don't care. I don't do the shallow end of the pool yeah. very well. <laughs> exactly. You're a deep dive swimmer, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, do you not want to talk about your soul? Okay, I'll go. Yeah, all right. Then you're not soulful enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, but I think it's so poignant to just point out because it, it is something that does tie to the identity, but it's also like about that human need of certainty, you know, like I, it, which makes up your identity or how you identify yourself. So I think that's an interesting statement. I think that some people really need that certainty. I love uncertainty. Me too, girl. Me too. I love some variety. I like thrive in that stuff. Yes. I get so excited wondering what's going to happen next. Me too. And I I love the in-between time. I also, and I don't know if you're like this, and I'm so curious, I love ending stuff. Like I love, I love saying this is done and like 
I can move on from it. Like I, it, there's something in the, and I, and I, what I mean by that is it could even be like the wrong relationships, the wrong client, the wrong, you know, just things that just are not aligned anymore or I've outgrown it. I love freaking ending it because then I'm making space for what's next. Yeah, I get really excited. Yeah, I do. I totally do. Oh my God. Like, even if I have a sales call with somebody that before the call, I thought they were a perfect match and then they're not. And I'm like, sweet. That was a, I call them like this, but not this moment. Yeah. That was a like this, but not this moment. So that means that someone better, more aligned, the perfect soul client is coming my way. That's right. Yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, it's just so exciting because I, at least those moments excite me because it just makes room for what's next. Mm-hmm. And that to me, I, I I had to learn. I'm not to not to say my in my own evolution, I'll call it. Uh, I was definitely in my younger years a very controlling type of personality where I felt like because I, I just felt out of control in other emotional areas of my life. So the doing of things and the holding on to things and the must control and must identify to something and have that certainty and something to control because that was what my reactionary space is when shit hits the fan. It was so burdensome for many years. And then when I started to do the self-awareness work and like, who do I want to be? And how do I want to show up in the world? And what do I want to allow in? And it became so much easier for me to find the areas I do like to control because that's execution in my mind. Like You have to control the task in order to execute against it or control how it's delegated to have it done. But but what I found back then was I used to hold all the things that did not work in my mind and it used to weigh me down like crazy. And when I finally realized the beauty of letting shit go, ending things, letting it go, moving on, that does not fit anymore, it opened up my world to amazing happiness, alignment, joy, whatever you want to call it, because I wasn't carrying all that weight anymore. We do that in so many parts of our lives. like All the parts. Yeah. Right now. So we we lived in Maine for 10 years, sold our house in 2016, and traveled in a camper for 16 months. During that time, our stuff was in storage. Like Most of our clothes, we had a very small camper. We didn't take much with us at all. Then when we bought this house, all of that stuff came... The movers came. I told my husband, I was like, I don't, I don't want any of it. And he was, he was like, come on, we need some of it. I was like, bed frame. I'll keep the bed frame. <laughs> we already had our mattress. I was like, I want nothing else. I like totally Uh huh. So my closet right now, I still, we've lived here a year and a half and I still haven't totally dealt with the stuff that I'm like, nope, don't Stop. want it. Was without it for 16 months. Really not feeling it. Yeah. And you know, I have the quote unquote excuse of having all that stuff have been in storage and like I really know that I don't want don't it anymore. It. Yeah. But so much, we keep so much stuff in our closets. Like that's just such a good place to start to be yeah. like, why are you holding on to this? Yeah. I, I'll tell you, I mean, when we moved, so we've, I literally should own a moving company. I've moved across this country so many times, right? And in a very heavy way, right? Where it literally needed the truck. The, the you know 14-wheeler situation to pack our stuff and move it. When we moved from Jersey to Colorado four years ago, um, two trucks, two freaking oh. trucks. Two, there were two different moves, right? Okay. But two trucks showed up to this house that we were renting 
So when all that our crap showed up to that house, I was like, who the hell are we? And why do we have all this baggage? Right? Like yeah. in my mind, that's how I see it. Cause I, I, I don't, I, I'd like to cleanse. I do it every like few months. I'm trying to purge and get rid of stuff. Like my closet right now is so lean. I'm adding certain pieces and just trying to just keep it really clean to that. But um, it's interesting in a relationship, right? When you have different levels of attachment to things, mm-hmm. what actually then you compromise on and, and what actually allowing what fills up that person to come with, even though it might not jive so much with you. And so it was just really wild when those two trucks showed up. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. And so when we had to move back, because now we're back on these coasts, it was a straight up purge fest. Like I, I couldn't, I was like, I am not moving back into our next house, which was smaller um, in size, which was good because I like to keep it lean, doesn't have as much storage, et cetera. But you know, things have got to go. And I'm very proud of my husband because he actually did the work with me to go through a lot of it and, and purge as much as we could so that we could fit into this space in the way we want to align it for now. I think a lot of the times, like I'm sure if you go and you look at those pieces in your closet and you're like, I don't even know when I wore this and why it's in here. So it's got to go. Right. But the, the, well, and the stuff that comes with the stories of like, my mom gave me this and she put so much thought into it. Great. Thank you. But you you know what I, I realized like within the last year, I was wearing something that she gave me and she's like, Oh, that's such a nice shirt. Where'd you get it? And I was like, (laughs) you give it to me. Hold on a second. You don't remember. No. Therefore, I don't need to hold on to all yeah. <laughs> And release. Yeah. <laughs> Bless and release it, my friend. Exactly. It is gone. Oh, that's awesome. And I know that that others listening to could benefit from doing a little bit of purge on those things they shouldn't hold on to. You have to make room for the things you want in. Now I'm at this weird juncture where I'm like, I want stuff designed for me, like from a from because I, I I still have like this my home office right now that I'm sitting in right now. It's a shit show because I haven't had the time to really design it in a way that actually represents me now. And so it's like pieced together furniture from different times. I don't have the right storage, like all the things, right? And so in my planning uh, for next year and how I actually want to make sure the life, I realize that the life I'm walking in in my mind has not manifested in the space yet, right? And so I'm doing this work to be more conscious of, well, what does my space need to really look and feel like for me to be at my optimal self? And for me to see that all this hard work is actually represented in the spaces I create around me. And that has kind of been my conscious move lately is to figure out like how can I get the right design around me and delegate it because obviously it's not happening because I love to focus on other things as a higher priority than that. But I feel like bringing that into my space is going to make a big difference on how I show up in the world. I'm so with you, sister. In fact, if can we do like accountability on that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. The, the color scheme... Yeah, does not work for not me. you. It's, it's not like you. mustard gold and no pale yellow. That the one thing in my office I did have it painted before we moved into this house, but it's literally a shit show from an organizational and like comfort level. Like I don't even have a cool lounge chair in here to be like sitting in and journaling and just like working in my. And I have great spaces in the house, but 
yeah, this it's gonna, there's going to be an up leveling for sure occurring when it comes to the represent representation of how I want the design of my life to look needs mm. to start showing up in the spaces I walk through. Yes, yeah, super important. Yeah, it's, it's oh. very grounding. Yeah, so yes, accountability yes. on that. We sure. And anyone listening who wants accountability on that or needs that help. Like just message us. And Please. <laughs> maybe we'll set up like a little support group around it. Because <laughs> you know, how awesome is it when you do have a space that you love? The best. And you just go in and you're like, this is mine. Oh my God. I, I know. Love it. it doesn't need to look like it's out of a magazine. It just needs to be you. In yeah. Every day. Like the poster behind me, my husband got framed for me for my birthday. And it's a it's a blog post I wrote five years ago, my client, like four years ago, was a graphic designer. She made the poster for me. I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And he found it and framed it for me. And I was so nervous reading it. Like that's me <laughs> five years ago. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. It still course. resonates. Of course. Um, and so seeing that, I'm like, oh, that's, that's so you. cool. That makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It makes a difference. It totally does. Like I walk around and I see piles of paper and like it really just even looking around my desk right now because I've been traveling for two weeks. I'm like, oh, so now I'm going to have to dedicate time to, to cleanse the space and make it what I need it to be for high functioning. Because when you have those distraction factors, it's similar actually to your numbering exercise, right? Mm-hmm. It's the opposite can also occur when you have the triggers around you that are not allowing you to stay in flow. Like when yes. I look at these piles, I'm like, fuck, I got to go through that. Or, you know, like, why don't I have the right file? And then I, I create this internal stress that totally distracts me from the mode I need to be in. But if I just took the time or delegated, found someone to assist me with getting this organized and aesthetically pleasing and help me find things with ease and all those things like as we we can overlook because we're high functioning in another area yeah. they, they do create stress triggers for us if we're not conscious of it and it and it's yeah. important to elevate the space and you're getting towards something too that we talked about on on the find your awesome podcast is we want to be in our zone of genius as much as possible yes and I'm guessing that cleaning up papers is not really your zone of genius. <laughs> I thought you're really good at it. I was really good at it, but it's not. No, no. Yeah. My, my rate's a little high for yeah. that type of activity. $1,000 per hour at least. <laughs> Just to put my paper files together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a cost to my business for sure. Not having it organized, it's a cost to my zone of genius, alignment, energy, power moves that I love to play in. Also, not doing it, right? Like, And, and our gift to the world is being in our zone of genius as much right. as possible. Yeah, I love that. How do you explain your zone of genius? The ability to deeply connect with people. Let's just stop there and let it be Beautiful. broad after that. Yeah. Connection. Yeah, I, I think connection is a is not easy for some, you know. And so the fact that it is your zone of genius, that means that anybody that interacts with you will always feel some sort of connection, whether it's a self connection to who they are, or just feel awesomely connected to you as an energy, or even a desire to connect deeper. I love that that's your zone of genius because it is so needed today. Like we are so disconnected from. Lot of things, but especially ourselves, because we're constantly looking outwards for 
attention or connection or you know whatever the digital age is is making <laughs> connections seem like today yeah. um the fact that your zone of genius is connection like actual soul to soul cuz when you say connection i i already visualize what that means you know from our conversations but it's really truly like the deepness of a connection and i love that because i do think people need it yeah it's are you familiar with human design so my human design incarnation cross even includes uh, intuition with connection. Love it. And this like penetration, meaning I see people. Yeah. So it's because scare some people. Sure. Yeah, because you're you can easily it's it's how you deliver how you see them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's and, the finessing that might need and, to be. <laughs> and just because I see someone doesn't mean I need to tell them that. That's right. <laughs> I, what yeah. what's your zone of genius? Um, well, my zone of genius is it's truly assisting people and getting the the clarity. Like it's having clear, concise understanding of what they're trying to either go after or even who they are in order to then take action. So I would say that it's in that clarity because it uses so many modalities to even help someone achieve that, You know, regardless of where they are potentially feeling as though they're struggling. And then really the struggle is just because you need to just take the time to figure out and understand really what you want in that moment and get that clarity so that you can move through it. And the only way to move through it is with action. So I would say that's my zone of genius because it applies to how you stand in this world, however you want to stand in this world as you as you design it with creating that life of alignment around you. And I love that you say concise too, clear and concise. Yeah. Because yeah. that's another part of my human design actually is not inclined to provide details. Nice. <laughs> Just get it already. Yeah. <laughs> you figure out that part. I love it. Oh, this is so awesome. Kelsey, I um I would love for you to tell listeners how best to connect with you, you know, as they have questions uh from this conversation or just want to know more about you. What what's the best method? Come play on Instagram. I'm at Kelsey Abbott CPC. You can go to my website, which is KelseyAbbott.com. You can listen to the podcast. Come play on Instagram. That's, yeah. That's a playground. It is a fun playground. I love it too, interacting with folks there. And then as I love to close out my show with all my guests, I ask this one final question. Are you ready? I don't know. But I've been <laughs> starting before I'm ready. <laughs> you're always ready, girl. Uh, because you're always present. So it's a simple question. How do you define what a badass is? Oh, what a badass is. We talked about this before because <laughs> I think this this word is near and dear to both of our hearts. A badass for me is somebody who's open and vulnerable and willing to be seen and okay. show up and wear their heart on their face. Wear their heart on their face. I love it. <laughs> Just Because I don't believe in wearing our hearts on our sleeves. We wear them on our face. Yeah, it's so true. It shows up in all that we do. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing a piece of your journey with my listeners. As always, I appreciate your time and love our conversation. So thank you so much for joining me today. This was so fun. Thank you so much, Green. Wasn't that such a great episode? I know you got amazing takeaways from that. 
What I would love for you to do for me, if you can help me extend my reach, is go ahead and subscribe to the show so you get the latest notification and listen before anyone else. Also, if you could go ahead and post your review, your five-star review will help me get other people interested in this conversation and extend my reach of impact. Most of all, I would love for you to share this with your community. It means so much to me to have you as a listener and I would love to connect with you. So if you have any questions you would like me to answer on this show, go ahead and email hello at kareenwalsh.com and my team will make sure that I get your questions so we can get them answered on the show for you. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode. 